Are you packed yet? We're going to Alaska for a case that is just as cold and dark as the state. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. Grab some gloves and a scarf and maybe a winter jacket because this case is gonna be chilling. Hey guys, welcome back to Cryptic Soup. I'm Thena. And I'm Kylie. And tonight we are going up to Alaska. I want to take an Alaskan cruise. Like that's the cruise that I want to take. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful. And they're like the most expensive ones. Like go figure. Yeah. The most cold and chilling and I don't even understand why they're that expensive. But, you know, they are. Whenever I think of Alaskan cases i always think of the case of um well fuck Mm -hmm. that guy that killed a bunch of people yeah and that had the kill kits all over the u.s and he took the girl from the like um like the coffee vendor place whatever it's called do you know what i'm talking about i think i think you've we've talked about this before but why is his name gone for me in this exact moment (laughs) um I mean, I know there's that guy from Anchorage, which was Robert Hansen, but that's not who I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about Meh. <laughs> Israel Keys. Oh, it worked. <laughs> Israel Keys. That's what I'm thinking of. That's what I normally think of, at least, but apparently right. not today. Not today. Not today. How was your day today? Um, <laughs> um, it was a day. I, it, I mean, it's Star Wars Day. I'm good. Yeah. May the fourth be with you guys or if you're a baddie like me tomorrow let's party it up and revenge of the fifth sixth well or cinco de mayo you know but yeah (sighs) hey it's taco day okay who doesn't like tacos i'd rather be a bad guy than eat a taco but you do eat tacos (laughs) but i'm a villain so there's that you didn't get it no i got the joke okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're gonna go in Somewhere another else. direction tonight <laughs> so i have a question what happens to the wax when you're burning a candle doesn't it evaporate that's what i thought so i think it like you know the chemical reaction between like the flame and the wax makes it evaporate evaporate into a gas right mm-hmm. and then you're just so if you have a because of that. bunch of candles going like me because I like candles. Um, you're just breathing in all of those gas fumes, yeah. Senses. Yeah. Sense sense. How I do mean, you what is the it's sense? Yeah. It's no worse than if you are spraying something though. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess that's well, no, isn't it worse because like there is like soot. Yeah, but it's also with a spray, sometimes there's either alcohol or there's carbon monoxide or something. There's other things you're putting out there. So yes, one is more damaging to you. The other is more damaging to the planet. So everyone. So would you rather hurt yourself or hurt everyone? But candles make me feel good. Well, you can feel good and have bad lungs. And damage myself. (laughs) Yes. 
sounds about right. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> yeah, everything, everything Drinking, that's fun good, in life damage myself. <laughs> yeah, it be like that, like it, all the time. Uh, it do, it do be like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I have nothing else. I, I, I did not really do anything where I like saw the news or do anything. Oh, actually, no, I guess I. Okay, so uh, funny enough, all this week on the news, there's been like a lot of talk about AI and how AI is terrifying and bad and we need to like calm down on it. That's funny. And stuff. And I was like, oh, that's crazy because literally like we were just talking about that the other day and we were thinking about how that's such a a relevant and prevalent topic right now. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. I'm literally like seeing it all over now, now that it's like in my brain. But yeah, I saw that all over the news and there was something else. Oh, there's that thing right now about like the girl that got married and then someone killed her during the like ceremony or um, not the ceremony. What's it called after the ceremony reception? Yeah. Someone like hit her drunk while they were on like, I thought a golf cart, it said or something. But yeah. And so like some states are trying to crack down right now on their drinking limits and drinking um, like rules and laws and stuff. But I think that's it. That's all I got for you guys. Because that really worked the last time the government got involved with drinking. Mm-hmm. 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 So that's all. That's really sad, though. Yeah. It's tragic. Yeah. Okay. Well, tonight's case is really sad and tragic. Do you know about it? Yay. No, I don't think so. So maybe. maybe? Do I? <laughs> I don't think you do. Okay. <laughs> this is called the McCarthy Massacre. And normally massacres are when it's like, um, an abundance of the people. And sometimes people look at this one and they're like, well, that's not even that many people. It was six people. That's not that many. But okay, there- any person is well, yes, too but, many. <laughs> but it's also when you think about the placement of this one. So this case happened on March 1st in 1983 when a man named Lou Hastings was armed with a 223 caliber Ruger Mini 14 semi automatic rifle. Wow. He murdered six people and wounded two others. So that's eight people, right? The reason why it's a massacre is because the town only had 22 citizens. Wow. So he, between him and the eight people he almost took out, that's like half the town almost. Right. So yes, it is indefinitely a massacre. Right. Um, Who is Lou Louis Lewis Hastings? Um, Lou Hastings was an intelligent computer programmer guy who had worked at Stanford University in the late 1970s. So he's a smart guy. He spent most of his life living in California before he decided to give that up and change his life entirely. And him and his wife decided to move to a secluded area within Alaska to start fresh in 1980. At that time, Hastings also started a computer service business out of his house. Okay. So not only is he super smart, but he's able to create a career from the ground up in a sense at this point. He's thinking in the most secluded area, you would feel like that's like not the biggest need, you know? <laughs> so that's exactly what's going to happen is what I was going <laughs> to say. Because also this is pre-internet or anything. It's not like he could do his work over the internet. So he's book smart. If there's but... only 22 people in the town, <laughs> right? there's only so much you're going to get out of it. Right. In the summer of 1982, about eight months uh, before the murders took place, Hastings and his wife bought a vacation home in Kennecott, but 
because they lived in Anchorage at the time, but they bought and they had like this duplex apartment house thing in Anchorage. But then they bought the vacation home in Kennecott, which in Kennecott, a lot of the people had more like cabins and cottages. So keep that in mind. Okay. Now, by the winter of 1982, Hastings business and his marriage were starting to fail miserably. No kidding. (laughs) So at this point, obviously, he's going through some not so great feelings. He began to spend more and more time alone at the Kennecott cabin while his wife was remaining in Anchorage at the duplex. So this wasn't helping the fact that they were already having a strain on their relationship and everything. And then he's like, well, you know, what would fix that not communicating and being apart. Because <laughs> that fixes everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At this point, Alaska's co- economy was booming because in 1983, there was construction of the Trans-Alaska Oil Pipeline that carries oil from Prudhoe Bay south to the port of Valdez. So oil, we all know it makes a lot of money. Yeah. And Alaska was going through a huge oil boom. The state was flush with money and it was in the midst of a construction boom because of this. And so when I say that it was like booming, like it's not like New York booming, but it's booming for Alaska. So it's like they're building things, but it's not like they're building like skyscrapers and stuff. They're building these like oil rigs and companies. Okay. Okay. Well, Hastings hated the pipeline and any other related development it was creating because he said he felt the state's newfound prosperity would ruin the lifestyle of the whole point of why he moved to Alaska. Because when he moved there, he's like, oh, I'm going to move here because it's out in the middle of nowhere. There's like this like wilderness to it almost, but it's like a civilized wilderness. It's like a created wilderness, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And he's like. But this is ruining that. So he decided that he was going to have this new life mission to destroy the pipeline so that he can have back his like wilderness freedom adventure lifestyle. Why don't you move? Because you're the problem (laughs) and you leave the pipeline the fuck alone. (laughs) So put a pen in the whole idea of him like hating this pipeline because like It'll come full circle, but it's silly for me to explain that without explaining what happened that day. So I'm going to try to talk a little bit about each of the people, but there's not a ton of information about each like person. There's like bits and pieces here and there. So I at least give every person like a sentence or two about them and or their life in Alaska. But normally I wish I had more information to give about each of the victims because this should be more about the victims than the actual like asshole that did this but sadly i i can't do that because i couldn't find more on a lot of them so in 1983 les and flo hegland were two of the people that were living in macarthur uh, mccarthy alaska i keep wanting to say macarthur because it sounds more natural to me really yeah interesting i don't know why yeah i was gonna say why MacArthur sounds better than mccarthy i don't know Maybe because Arthur is a name and Carthy, Kathy, Carthy, Carthy, <laughs> Carthy isn't Jesus. That's how bad I'm doing. Okay. So the Hegland home was this like gathering spot and the 22 residents of Kennecott and McCarthy would all come there for the weekly mail plane that would arrive every Tuesday. Now, McCarthy and Kennecott were located four miles apart from each other, and they were in the middle of the Wrangell St. Elias National Park and Preserve. And it's approximately 230 miles east of Anchorage. So you also have to remember that's how far he was from his wife. It's 230 miles in Alaska. Okay. That's fucking 
That's the whole U.S. at that point. Right? Yeah. Now, the Heglins owned the only two-way radio in the area strong enough to communicate with the outside world. So they relayed daily weather reports to the Federal Aviation Administration office in Cordova, where the mail was like being flown in from and stuff. And the Heglins actually lived near a small airstrip where the planes could land. And the Heglins were just like good people. So they built onto their house this like uh, porch that wrapped around part of their uh, house. And in some reports, I saw that it was enclosed in other parts. They said that like they uh, had it heated and stuff like that. But either way, they took care of this enclosed type porch and they would allow people if you couldn't come to your mail that day or if like you needed stuff, they would put your groceries out there and everyone had like either like a key or whatever it be or they left this part unlocked, whatever it was. But all the 22 residents could get their mail. They could come in and wait in there. They could get their groceries and stuff like the Heglins were the like. I don't even know what to describe them. The They sound like the king and queen of this small little 22 community. It's like as if, you know, like in every TV show, there's always that like one diner where everyone eats at and everyone knows yes. the, the worker. Like in Gilmore Girls, Luke's diner and everyone knows Luke. Well, they're both the Luke or like in the supernatural. Like they're doing great. <laughs> well, <laughs> How about I'm, Riverdale? <laughs> okay, no, but I get it. I get the, it. Yeah, I understand. This, is, this is that place yeah, in a sense, no. because it's not like they all go out to a bar. They don't, they don't all go out to like a restaurant. They go to the Hegland house. Yeah. Okay, in 1983 um, is when this takes place, but the Heglins had been living in McCarthy since 1967. Uh, Les was 64 and his wife, Flo, was 58. Um, They lived in Alaska for 27 years at this point. They moved to McCarthy where they built the addition to their house, um, like I said, so that the mail plane could bring anything and things wouldn't freeze and that everyone could just have a safe place to have this mail plane. And because of that, the locals considered them the unofficial postmasters of the area. And they like would comment on that all the time. The residents of the area were considered stranded during the long winter months because they had to rely on the planes essentially for like everything. Because at this point in 1983, McCarthy still didn't have running water, telephones or electricity. Oh, wow. So the only way you had any of those things was if you had an individual generator for your house, which most of them did. But at the same time, you weren't running it all winter long. Yeah. Maybe just like like all the time. And you probably weren't running it for everything. You would turn it on, you know, heat up your water for your bath or something. And then you're like, okay, I'm good. Like, I'm just going to bundle the fuck up. I'm not going to waste it on oh, it's only negative four today. Oh, I don't need to turn on my heat. Right. Because tomorrow is going to be negative 24. I mean, I know those are like drastic sounding, but that's probably genuinely how they thought of it. Yeah. And they probably just used like fireplaces on the, on the quote, warmer days. Yeah. And they used a lot of, uh, there was one thing where someone was talking about how they did have candles. Cause one person was like, yeah, I had a candle at one point. And that's how I was like walking from a room to a room. So On Monday night, February 28th, so this is the night before the event takes place, it was the night before mail day also, because remember, mail comes every Tuesday unless there was some sort of, like, storm or something, but Mm -hmm. they were in Kencott, and they were four miles north of the McCarthy airstrip. 29-year-old Chris Richards was playing a board game with his neighbor, 39-year-old Lou Hastings. 
Now, according to Richards, this evening was super unremarkable and it was just a friendly game between two neighbors. Chris Richards was 29 years old. He spent the summers partially um, in his like partially collapsed home that he had. It was over near the mines. He only really lived near one other neighbor, which was Hastings. So people just kind of assumed they were friends. And in a lot of the reports, you'll hear people being like, yeah, he was playing board games with his friend. But Chris Richards later goes on to say, I didn't even really like the guy personally. I was just trying to get along with him because I figured I was stuck with him as a neighbor, which, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you only have one neighbor, you're going to get along with your neighbor in Alaska, I guess. Right. On Tuesday, March 1st, 1983, that would have been the next day. It was a normal mail day for the citizens of the area, and everyone was going to go to the Heglins that day to pick up their mail. But that morning, Richards was cooking breakfast, and he wasn't using any appliances because, you know, he didn't have any power. Richards normally would work summer construction, and he actually collected unemployment insurance and food stamps during the winter. So that was another reason he was probably one of the lower tier, like, money type people. So he probably didn't run his generator very often if he even had a working one at the time. So he's just, you know, making his breakfast probably over his fire or whatever he does. And while cooking, he notices Hastings appeared again at his front door. Now, Richard assumed that Hastings was probably going to go meet the mail plane and thinking like, oh, he's just checking to see if I want to go with him or something. Well, Hastings pushed the door open And so Richard's like, okay, like, why don't you come in and I'll make us some coffee? Like, we can go there together. But when Richard's went to turn his back, he started to continue to cook his meal. And then he felt something hit him on the right side of the face across his cheek. It hit him so hard it knocked his glasses off of his face and shattered them. He then ducked his head as he felt an object go to hit the top of his head. So something went to hit him again a second time. At this point, he turned towards Hastings and he saw the man walking towards him with his rifle. And this time he wasn't going to smack him in the face with the rifle. He was aiming to shoot him. And you have to think he also doesn't have his glasses on. So he's probably like, what the fuck is happening? Right. So Richards grabs Hastings and they begin to fight while Richards is screaming at Hastings to stop shooting him. Hastings said to him, look, you're already dead. If you'll just quit fighting, I'll make it easy for you. Okay. Well, Richards put up a fight. He fumbled for a knife from the sink and he ended up stabbing Hastings in the left upper part of the chest and in the right leg. Richards then fled the cabin in waist deep snow after being just struck across the face twice, wearing only socks, one slipper and a light t-shirt. And his pants were just like a light corduroy pants. And that day, the temperature was only 10 degrees Fahrenheit. And it was waist deep. It's a little cold. That sounds awful. Not even shoes on. One single slipper. No, thanks. While Hastings was seeing Richards flee, he fired shots at him. And Richards fought his way through three quarters of a mile of a steep hill through the snow while being shot at after being hit with no glasses till he made it to an unoccupied cabin. There he broke inside it and he found boots, a parka and snowshoes. Luckily, otherwise he probably would have died of the cold in all honesty. Yeah. That's, that's like, that's, that's very cold. Very, very cold. Richards then made his way another 10th of a mile to the Southwest where he got to the cabin of Tim and Amy Nash. 
The Nashes were a young couple who had just gotten married on Christmas Day, and they decided to take a long honeymoon. They had only returned to Kennecott two weeks earlier. So Tim had been living in McCarthy for seven years, and he was a construction worker in Glenallen, is how I've heard it pronounced. I would say Glenallen. Yeah, I would say Glenallen, too. But people were, like, making it roll off their tongue like Glenallen. And I was like, oh, okay. Maybe it's like a an Alaskan thing that I'm not getting, but whatever. Glenellen? I don't know. Hmm. Now, Weird. he had been working there, and he had recently had, like, a divorce, and he had been living alone in his cabin, and he had been rebuilding it pretty much by himself using only hand tools. Because, again, lack of power tools, things like that up there. Well, he met Amy in the summer of 1982 when Amy was venturing up towards McCarthy as a tourist and they fell in love and bada bing, bada boom. A year later, they were married. (laughs) Bada bing, bada boom. Tim and Amy saw what happens to Richards and they started bandaging Richards wounds while he told them all what happened. And at first, you know, they're probably like, the fuck? Like, there's only so many of us in this town. How would someone just go ape shit and none of us notice that? Right. Richards then realized probably what was going to happen was that Hastings was going to make his way to McCarthy because everyone would be gathered for the small plane. And like, based on how he was acting, he's like, this man's going to, he's going to do more damage. Like how he was acting. It's obvious. Right. Now, at the same time this was happening, there's. It's been going off for a while. Okay. We're screwed if you can hear it. Sorry, everyone, if you can hear that. There's someone's car is going off in their driveway. If you can't hear it, then cool. <laughs> um. Meanwhile, as all that was happening, like the other residents are getting ready to go get the mail. So let's talk about some of them. There was a 52-year-old named Maxine Edwards who left her husband at home while she was crossing the frozen Kennecott River and headed towards the Heglin's house. People called her Maxine the Diligent. And she was described um, as a hardworking woman who could operate a bulldozer by afternoon and then serve dinner on a linen and crystal by night. I know a couple of people like that. I love that. That is, that is so fucking great. Yeah. She was getting ready to go get this stuff, right? And that's her story. Let's go back to the Nashes. So at the Nashes house... They decided that they were going to take Richards with them because they need to get him help, probably. And the only way to get him help is to get him to the airstrip, which is also where the man with the gun is heading to. Right. So they attach Richards to a sled and they tow it behind their snow machine, which a snow machine is essentially a snowmobile. But for some reason, in every single thing I was looking up, everyone called them snow machines instead of snowmobiles. Interesting. But then when I saw it, I was like, so that's, that's a, a snowmobile. snowmobile. <laughs> I don't know if maybe it's like a heavy duty version of it. Like they have to have or something like maybe like there's a reason it's called a snow machine and said like this sounds kind of silly, but this is the only way I can think about it. Alaska gets really cold and they're probably leaving that like outside or in a garage that doesn't have heat. So maybe it's like thicker material than a snow machine, like a snow, a s- snowmobile, snowmobile, like like it's, it's more a, heavy duty. Like it's yeah. more of like a vehicle than it is like a snowmobile. Yeah, like, like it's not recreational. It's and like maybe like the where the gas is stored, it's a little bit thicker insulated or something. And like where the padding is on the bottom or something, you know, that's yeah. the only reason I can think of maybe why it has a different name. Or... It's like used for main transportation. It's not just like a toy or maybe it's just a thing. 
They're like, Maybe. nah, we call it that. Nah, <laughs> this is what you we call it here. Fucking weirdos. <laughs> Midwesterners. I mean, anybody from any any listeners from Alaska, you let us know what a what a snow machine is I and think, how it's different from a snowmobile. I think we do have some Alaska. I think listeners. we do too. Yeah, yeah. Because remember that one time I made the graph. I'll have to I'll have to remake a graph sometime, and we'll have to see where where most people are like listening and stuff. That'd be fun. I remember yeah. I thought it was weird that. Our home state even isn't like, wasn't it? I think it was like lower in our top five. And I was just like, that's crazy. Because you would assume that. Right. It would always the be most first. people. Yeah. But we have friends everywhere. Okay. Hello, fringe. Fringe. Uh, someone did give us a compliment on that the other day, by the way. They were like, I do really like listening to you guys because it feels like I'm having a conversation with friends because you guys just like get off on tangents. But then you come back and like you guys talk about random stuff and I was just like thanks that's like our goal so yeah that means a lot it's funny too when our friends say that because they're like I should probably like reach out to Kylie and ask her if she wants to hang out because I'm not actually hanging out with her <laughs> <laughs> but it just like no it feels that way <laughs> you're like no 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 it doesn't that's a hangout <laughs> so at this point um they attach Richards to the sled, like I said, and then they get on the snowmobile snow machine and they decide to head over to the McCarthy airstrip. When they arrive, they see Gary Green, which sounds like a fake name. Yeah. It sounds like someone from Clue. They really like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they really liked alliteration. OK, so Gary Green was the pilot and he was like a guide in the area. So Green was cleaning off his airplane and he was listening to them tell the story and Green informed them that he actually just saw Hastings 20 minutes ago and he headed all the way over to the Hegland house where he went inside. Mm. And they were like, OK, that's not good. So Tim was like, I volunteer to go check on the Heglands. Uh, Why don't Green, you get the plane ready because you're going to you're going to have to fly Richards to Glen Allen because he needs medical care and it's a 40 minute drive. So, like, get him ready, get everything ready. So we're like, OK, so they were splitting up at this point and Green was loading Richards into the plane. Amy was standing on the airstrip, kind of watching out for her husband. Yeah. And her husband, Tim, was running toward the Hegland house. He just got to the Hegland house when he said he smelled gun smoke and saw blood splattered all over the interior of the house. Yay. So Tim already believed the Heglands were dead. And he said the moment he walked in the kitchen, he saw Hastings standing on the back porch and Hastings saw him. Mm. So Tim fired a gun at Hastings and missed, but then Hastings returned fire and struck Tim in the right leg. Come on, Tim. Poor Tim. So the Nashes told Green they needed to go get help, but they were going to both stay behind, Tim and Amy, to warn anyone else that came to the airstrip to collect mail that day. Mm -hmm. So meanwhile, Tim just got shot. Amy doesn't know this. Amy's like, take Richards and go with the plane. And he's like, okay. And she's like, I'm going to stand here and watch for anyone else so that they can get not here. They'll like get, get free. But meanwhile, she doesn't know Tim got shot. Right. So Green took off. He radioed an incoming plane and told the pilot not to land at McCarthy, which would have been the mail plane. And then he contacted the Alaska state troopers in Glen Allen and reported the situation. Because remember, the only other phone in the area is at the Hegland house. And obviously, Tim can't use that. I wondered if the 22 citizens of this area involved 
any like law enforcement? Oh, I don't think it did. Okay. I'll be honest, because they never mentioned anything like that. And at this point, the only way that anyone was going to be able to get help is in the plane, like on the way there. So that's another reason why they needed him to get up in the air and get like start start making his way. Mm-hmm. When Tim and Amy were trying to wait for others, uh, Hastings saw there was a dog sled trail through some brush that led back to the airstrip, which was probably the same trail that they had the sled Richard's body on. And so he kind of just followed it back and he's like, I know exactly where they're at now. They accidentally led him right back to them. So Hastings crawled up a large mound of snow that was like plowed over. That was across from the runway where the Nashes were at and uh, Amy Nash. And he fired 10 rounds because Tim was running over to Amy. So at this point he's trying to like get to his wife to be like, Hey, he just shot me. Right. And she's just like, Oh my God, there's my husband running over to me. So clearly things are fine. Because he warned the Heglins. Mm-hmm. So about 700 feet away was Hastings and he started shooting at them. Once he shot them, he then walked closer. He was only about 150 feet away, which is only half a football field for those of you that don't know how far that is. Because in my mind, I was like, what the fuck is that? 150 feet? Oh, my mm-hmm. God. So he, he gets about that far and he fired two more shots at the Nashes. And then he got even closer and he shot both of them in the head. Damn. Once the Hastings, um, once Hastings had killed the Nashes, he then drugged their bodies to the top of a snowbank across from the runway. And he tried to hide them in some like deep snow so that no one would see their dead bodies. Especially right there, because that's where anybody's going to like right away come into it. the town. Right. But at this point, if Tim was walking around with a gunshot wound in his leg and everything else and Richards and I feel like there had to have been like small blood trails, if nothing else. Right. All over the place. Yeah. I feel like. But especially in snow, you would see it. You would I guess. see it. But yeah. After this happened, Hastings climbed back down this uh, up the snowbank. Sorry. Where he saw two more of the residents coming to get their mail. It was Harley King and Donna Byram, and they were just arriving. Harley's a guy. Donna's a girl. Now, since 1966, Harley King and his wife, Joe, had lived in McCarthy. Harley was 61 years old. I don't know how old his wife was. I couldn't find that. But they lived in their homestead, which was 15 miles west of McCarthy off McCarthy Road. So they're one of the furthest people away. Prior to retirement, Harley served as a commercial fisherman out of Cordova, and he was also a hunting guide. In the 1950s, he hunted wolves in a predator control program alongside another guide, and so he kind of knows his way around some weapons, right? Right. You would think that would help in this situation. Right. But obviously, he's not carrying them on him. No, of course not. No. Why would you do that? (laughs) Now, the other guide that he worked with, to give you an example of, like, how well-known of a guide and, like, hunter this guy was, he worked with Jay Hammond, who was the governor of Alaska. Oh, okay. So it's not like Harley was just like, oh, this little hunter. No, like, he was a good hunter. He was, like, the hunter. His wife, Joe, was a well-known bush pilot and a flight instructor who had... Currently, at this point, she wasn't there because she had flown her own plane to Anchorage a few days before, and she was just waiting for the weather to improve because she was going to fly back to McCarthy. But because of it, she wasn't home on the day of the attack, which has to be one of those worst survivor guilt feelings like, 
Oh, yeah. Knowing that like if the weather was better, husband. I would have been there. And yeah. But also she probably would have died as well. Like she doesn't right. understand. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she does understand that. I didn't mean it like that, but it's just it's such a hard thing. Right. So as they were getting closer, um, uh, well, I forgot to mention who um, Donna was. I'm so sorry. So Harley was helping out his neighbor, who was Donna Byram. She was 32 and she needed a ride to the airstrip to pick up her stuff. So Byram lived halfway between the King's home and McCarthy. And the crazier thing about that is, so you know how his wife was about to fly in. Donna was actually getting ready to fly out of town that day on the mail plane to go back towards Anchorage area and stuff. Of course. Now, as they started getting closer, Byram saw large blotches of blood on the airstrip. And then she saw Hastings standing on the snowbank. But she obviously didn't know that Hastings was the reason for the blood. So they continued getting closer. But then the moment they started to get too close, Hastings just opened fired on them. Okay. One bullet hit Donna Bryan. Gosh, I want to rearrange letters. You can just say Donna. (laughs) (laughs) Hit Donna in the upper right arm while Harley King had drove the snow machine as fast as he could trying to get away. One of Hastings' shot had hit and broken King's leg, though, and so he lost control of the snow machine. The snow machine crashed, and it threw both of them towards the runway. Of course. They landed near the path that was leading to the Hagland house. Donna tried to load Harley onto the back of a sled that she saw, but Hastings was making his way towards them, and obviously he's unhurt at this point for the most part. Like, yeah, Richard's hurt him, but... He's fine, essentially, at this point. So he he was, you know, doing the creepy killer fast walk towards them. Right. And they were going as slow as they possibly could, but, you know, still really fast. Yes. Annoyingly. So King was like, Donna, the only way that anyone's going to live is if you just leave me behind. You need to go save yourself. Like, leave me, please. And she didn't want to. But she did. So she ran away. And the moment she did, she heard two gunshots and she just knew in her heart like that. That was he he killed Harley. That's so sad. So Donna runs up to the Hegeland house. She saw the front door had been kicked in. So she knew not to go inside because she's like, he's already been in here. He'll know if I disturb anything. Any like I just can't do it. So she ran around to the side of the house and went to the greenhouse thinking that maybe like he wouldn't find her. She was hiding outside while bleeding from her gunshot wound in her arm, trying to hide. She said while she was hiding, she heard Hastings looking around for her saying, one not dead, one not dead. Oh, God. That's creepy. And there was another thing that I saw where she said that, like, she had to hold her hand over her mouth because she was so scared. And she was, like, trying not to cry and or whimper because she's also in pain. Right. And she's cold. Breathing is hard. yeah. 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 Now, he didn't end up finding her because he actually gave up. And then he stole the Nash's snow machine and drove off. Hastings ended up starting to head west on McCarthy Road, where some troopers from Glen Allen, who had gotten there because they were warned by Green, remember? Mm-hmm. They intercepted him by helicopter. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> now, here's my helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> now, you would think... You would think that Hastings would be like, oh, fuck, the police are after me. But instead, he like waved them over to him. And he's like, the moment they landed, he's like, come here, come here. Oh, my God. The craziest fucking thing is happening. Um, 
my name's Chris Richards. And there's this man named Lou Hastings who's gone berserk and he's shooting up everyone in McCarthy. Help me get away from him. Help. He's killing everyone. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that would be great. Except for remember, Richards was with Green who (laughs) alerted the authorities. Right. That are there talking to this man who is claiming to be Richards. And so they knew that Richards was with in Glen Allen area. And the thing is, is Richards and Green described who Lou Hastings was and what he looked like. And the man they're talking to looks exactly like the person that was described. <laughs> well, to a he like saw him. So he was like, OK, he's wearing this. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. How, mm-hmm. <laughs> how stupid are you? He thought he thought it was a plan. <laughs> he though. thought, yeah, he thought he was clever. They arrested Hastings instantly and they decided to get him in the helicopter and fly back to McCarthy where he just came from because they were going to search for other survivors. Because remember, once they get up in the plane, they're going to have to go for 40 more minutes. So if someone's there, they need to get them now. Oh, especially if it's someone like bleeding out or something medically. Yeah. Gotcha. So they handcuffed Hastings and they restrained him and they put him in the helicopter And then they went back to McCarthy and they found the bodies of Tim Nash, Amy Nash, and Harley King all on the runway, dead from gunshot wounds. Each of them had a final kill shot to their head. Of course. Then the authority troopers people went into the Hegland house where they discovered the bodies of Les and Flo Hegland, plus the neighbor Maxine Edwards, and their bodies were just stacked on top of one another in one of the bedrooms. Why? Because he thought maybe then no one would find them, I guess. That's just weird. Troopers then found several spent cartridges in the kitchen and in the back porch area. They found a bloody fur-covered silencer near the nightstand next to the bodies. And one of the state troopers in 1983 went on record saying there was a lot of shooting that went on inside that house. There were a lot of bullets sprayed around. At this point, Hastings finally was like, fuck, I think the gig is up. So he's no like, no kidding. <laughs> so he's like, hey, by the way, um, I'm 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 your man. <laughs> like, I'm Lou Hastings. OK, they're like, oh, yeah, we know. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> try, though. <laughs> Thank you for telling us. And then they're still searching around and outside the gun. Oh, no. Outside the greenhouse, they finally find Donna because she was like stumbling out. Cause she sees and hears authorities and they're like, Oh my gosh, we'll get you medical help. Come in the helicopter. <laughs> you have to sit next to, to Lou the, Hastings to the man that shot you. Yes. So she had to share the 40 minute helicopter ride back to Glen Allen with Hastings, like next to her, the man that just shot her and killed all of her friends and neighbors. See, so would you be livid and like be asking a million fucking questions or would you be really scared? I genuinely don't know. I think I would falter back and forth between the two. Me too. During all the 40 minutes. Yeah. I think it would start with fear. And then the longer I'm sitting there in fear, it would start like bubbling. And then I would get angrier and angrier. And then I would start blowing up. But then I think if he actually talked to me and like, if he talked to me and he was calm, it would freak me out and I'd go back to fear. But if he talked to me and he was angry, I would fear like for some reason he would like crash the plane and I would fear. Yeah. So I think I would go back and forth between the two. Yeah, no, I th- I think I'd be I think I'd be the same way. But also I have uh my biggest emotion that I show outwardly is anger. So I would think that I would definitely get angry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a like um 
do, do you know that movie Inside Out with all the little emotions? Yes. I'm the little red guy, the little angry guy. That's me. <laughs> the little red guy. I'm the little angry red guy. Okay. Yeah. So at this point, the they're all in the helicopter, right? And they were like, so why did you do this? Like, can you just like let us know? And right. Do you remember that <laughs> pen we put in? Okay. Yep. yep. Let's talk about his plan. Okay. Why did he kill everyone? Hastings told the authorities that his plan was the massacre, but that was just part one. This is like a multi-step process here. Okay. The pipeline and destroying it was the bigger picture. Like I said earlier, he had planned that he was going to arrive in McCarthy before the mail plane that morning and kill each of the people as they showed up for the Tuesday plane. Then he would kill the mail plane pilot himself and steal the plane. Then he would fly the plane to a pump station that was near the pipeline and he would land there, rig the plane to take off again without him in it. And then he would steal a fuel truck, ram the pipeline while shooting at it. And this whole like chain of events would damage the pipeline like really badly to where it would cost too much to fix it. Mm. Oh, but don't worry if you were thinking like, wow, what a dickhead. That's going to do a lot of damage. Well, he did kind of plan it out because he was like, here's the thing. I'm doing it. At this point, because the oil would congeal in the cold winter temperatures and not do environmental damage because he cared about the world. Because he's a good guy. And he knows how to fly planes? And he knows how to fly a plane and jump out of it safely? I don't think he was going to jump out of it. I feel like he was going to do that thing where you like... No, that's not a thing you can do in an airplane. (laughs) (laughs) Where you like start a car and put a rock on it. No, you can't do that. You cannot do that in an airplane. He was going to try to find a way, though, I think. I think he thought he could. Uh, Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is a really thought out plan. Okay. Now, that wasn't the end of the plan. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) He was like, that's only going to rupture the pipeline. But see, then, because he was shooting at the fuel truck, it'll Mm. burst into flames, and then the flames will take over his body, and it'll char him beyond recognition, and no one will realize that it was him, because he'll, everyone will think that he was murdered in McCarthy, where all the other residents were married, married? (laughs) Okay. Murdered. Murdered. (laughs) Murdered at the airstrip, and then his family wouldn't know he's a murderer who committed suicide and destroyed the pipeline. Even though his... Oh, my goodness. What did they notice? Like, he's the only body missing. (laughs) Like, they would have gotten everyone else with dental records and stuff if all he's doing is shooting them. No offense. Like, I'm not Right, and they wouldn't have found anybody else And if there's only 22 people, like, that really narrows down the pool of... (laughs) Right. (sighs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, all that obviously did not occur. Authorities were shocked at his plan because they were already, (laughs) like this plan was so wild and they were like how did he already get so far along because this plan sounds batshit crazy that he murdered almost half the town of mccarthy at this point right and they were like so so you did this all to get rid of the the pipe and he's like yep i'm preserving the alaskan dream and wilderness he said (laughs) okay yeah Mm. so in the end the victims that lost their lives were tim nash 38 his wife amy nash 25 
Les Hagland, 64. His wife, Flo Hagland, 58. Maxine Edwards, 52. Harley King, 61. And the two people that were injured was Chris Richards, 29, and Donna Byram, 32. And then, if you think <laughs> wait, it ends there's there. more. <laughs> uh-huh. Tell me more. On December 5th, 1983, Hastings had his court stuff, and he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. No kidding. But then. <laughs> but wait. <laughs> there's more. He then changed it to no contest of six counts of first-degree murder and two counts of attempted murder in the shootings because he didn't think he was going to get the insanity plea. No. Yeah. What? I wonder why. Well, it's because, actually, his public defender, John Salami. <laughs> Salami? Salami. Salami? He entered the contest, <laughs> the no contest plea because he unsuccessfully had tried to do the insanity plea. But with the new um, unconstitutional Alaskan law of insanity statues, the Superior Court Judge Ralph Moody was like, yeah, I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> so he's like, fuck, let's change that before you already just like say no. <laughs> just kidding. I was kidding. <laughs> so Judge Moody ended up finding Hastings guilty. And in July of 1984, the judge sentenced Hastings to 634 years in prison for the crimes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can't live that long. So, so that's that's a life sentence. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, in a 1997 interview, the prosecutor that worked the Hastings case described Hastings as a very bright guy, a nerdy academic whose wig is on probably a little too tight. There are a lot of parallels to him and this guy, Kazansky, a.k.a. Ted Kazansky, the Unabomber. Oh. Which I, I didn't think that until I heard that. And then I was like, oh, no, I see it now. I see it. That's wild. Hmm. Do you know? No. You, okay. <laughs> I wondered why you got really quiet when I, when I said it. And I was like, oh, either well, you she doesn't say, see it or she doesn't know it. Well, you did say, like, who he is. And that, I mean. You know yeah. that something happened. You just don't know the details. Yes. Mm-hmm. I will say for a very long time, I think Ted Kaczynski, Kazansky and um, the Unabomber, I couldn't think of what we call him. Um, I, that was one thing that I didn't know a lot about. I didn't know a lot about that. And I didn't know a lot about Waco. Those were like the only two things in true crime that for some reason, like I Just didn't never popped learn up about. Yeah. Hmm. And then um I listened to this like five part series on the Unabomber and like the Oklahoma bombings and all this stuff. And I got really like in deep learning about it. And I was like, holy shit, how did I never know about this? <laughs> and then with Waco, I was listening to a podcast, do a multi-part series on Waco. And then are you ready for the sh wildest shit you've ever heard? I am ready. <laughs> they were like, we're going to do an interview with a survivor from Waco. Okay. Oh, shit. This man's name, his first and last name are my two last names. Like I've changed my last name in life. That's weird. And it was my last name and then my last name again. And I was like, that's fucking weird. Spelled the same in everything. Isn't that weird? I'm not I related to him. I don't think. <laughs> You don't think I don't know. I do have a very kind of like 
out their name, but I, I know most of my relatives and I don't think that I'm related to this man. I don't have a lot of family members in that area. I do have some, I really do, but I don't think this man is part of my family line. Interesting. Isn't that wild though? Yeah, that's, that's weird. Cause I was like, oh my God, (laughs) that's like unnerving. Right. So it's now, my name, sir. <laughs> my name. It's mine, sir. You survived something traumatic. You you can find yourself a cool, better name. You got this. You got this. Now, Chris Richards, the guy that got away on the first plane, you know? The first man that saw Hastings that day. Sorry. <laughs> Did you yawn? Yeah. <laughs> I've. It's been a day, I feel It's it. been a very long day. I feel it. My mom is out of town right now. She's in Florida. And I thought I would do the right thing and be a good child. Take care of her home. No, take care of her pets. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. And I offered to let her pets come to my house. Oh, I forgot. My dog does not like cats. Mm. And so I have two cats and my dog at the house. And my dog (laughs) is a very vocal creature. And the cats are very vocal creatures. And they both don't like when the other one's vocal. And it got to the point where it is so bad that Margie decided it is a better idea to sleep on a floor in a different room than to have to be in the same room as me and the animals on a bed. Yay. That's how bad it was. She's like, no, I'm sleeping on the floor. Maybe you should just house it. Yeah. Except for that's just so far. It is. Yeah. But it's only till today. I have to go pick her up from the airport in 45 minutes. So. So we're good. Okay. Eventually. But it's, yes, it's been a long, long week to say the least in my world. I feel that. No, I, I really do feel that. Now, back to what we were saying. I'm so sorry. Chris Richards. Chris Richards. Let's talk about <laughs> y'all. Um, Chris ended up carrying a handgun around in his back pocket for the next eight years after this event. Yep. Like, I do not blame him one bit. <laughs> he was terrified yep. at first. But... The only time he didn't keep him on him on it was when he went to sleep. And it's it's interesting. Someone asks him at one point, finally, like, why do you keep the handgun on you? It's because you're scared, right? And this is what he says. It wasn't like I was afraid for myself. It was more or less. I owe this to my neighbors. I can't lose any more of my friends and neighbors, even the ones that I don't like. They're my neighbors. Excuse me. I don't need any other assholes coming around and shooting them. They're precious to me. I think of them more as a big tribe of people. Most of us live here because we love this place and we have that much in common. Which that makes sense saying like, yeah, I'm even going to stick up for the assholes. We're like a little family. Right. Because that's what it is. Like, Regardless of how weird your neighbor is, like he's still your neighbor. And when you only have 22 of you. Yeah, that is like a little family because right. most of them probably didn't talk to that many people in the outside world. If the only way you can do that is going to the Hegland house. I was going to say it's definitely like a community regardless of if you like them or not, because there's that many people and everybody sees each other every Tuesday when they get their mail, you know? Well, and that's what he said at the beginning. He's like, eh, I mean, I don't really like the guy, but pff, right. if that's my only neighbor, that's my only option. I'm going to fucking play board games with him on a Monday night. Right. Because what else am I going to do in my frigid ass house? <laughs> I'm not going to watch Twilight tonight, clearly. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, your options are pretty limited, I feel like. Yeah. There's only so many times you can play solitaire alone. Like, what do you do? to occupy your time this is really sad but chris richards ended up dying when his cabin burned down a week before christmas in 2001 what the hell 
And a lot of people talked about him like that he had a drinking problem and that like he was a lot more reserved and he was a lot different of a person after this whole event, which, again, that makes sense. Yeah, but that's that's really sad. I mean, those things definitely do change you, but just how he died, that's tragic. Yeah, because probably he was more of a hermit at that point and kind of everything else. And this this does not make it any lighter, but at least it was another 20 years later. That was that was 18 years later he died in his cabin burning down. Yeah. It's not like it was like a year later because he was drunk and he like just right. couldn't handle it anymore. Right. Um, but it's still super sad. Are we sure it was an accident? Some people do speculate certain things about it being like he kind of drank himself to death. So like maybe like if it wasn't that, maybe the cabin burned down because he was being negligent because he was drunk or because he just gave up. He just didn't. There are some there are some slight like kind of rumory talks, whispers, yeah. but it's it's just I mean, how could you not? It's just been talked about as he he died and it's tragic and that's the end of it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the whole case. That's why it's a, a massacre is because it literally took almost half the town, though. And he wanted to do all of them, all 22 people. Including himself. Right. Ain't ain't that just fucking wild? That's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> and you just like grab a bunch of All because ammo. of a pipe. Right. Like. Bro, just move. Yeah. Like, like I said at the beginning, like you are the problem. I get it. You how didn't... pretentious. <laughs> okay. So you didn't like California. So you moved to Alaska because you're like, I want to be alone. There are other places you can like be alone. First off, go to a different part of Alaska and or if, go to a different part of California. Uh, go to fucking Nebraska, bro. Yeah. Go to Oklahoma. Go to Idaho. There are you can literally go to a desert. Uh, right. Sir, there were other options. <laughs> there were so many other so things. many other options, especially because. What if you instead tell your wife that's part of it? You're like, hey, I'm so sorry. Our relationship failed and stuff. I know that. It's been about a year, um, but I... Let's move somewhere else. Yeah. Can we move and try and salvage this? Or I'll come back to Anchorage and I'm unhappy, but let's like work through this. Here's why I'm unhappy. So let's leave. Or, you know, if you're you're from California, like you want to stay in California for the type of like work that he was doing because... Like California is one of those areas that's going to have bustling. Yeah, it's going to have more of the of the big stuff first rather than, you know, the other secluded areas. This was um, around the time, not too far off from when California is about to turn into serial killer central. So they did get away from all that. They escaped like Richard Ramirez and everyone only to become killers themselves somewhere else. He was going to be, well, maybe that that would have influenced him and he would have still became a killer. Yeah, he'd been like, it's bustling now in a different way. Like, this is the cool part. (laughs) That's so wild to me to think of like, okay, so my sister lived in Indiana, okay? Mm -hmm. And she's like, I don't really like the weather that much, so I'm going to live somewhere where it's warmer. So she's like, I'm going to move to Texas. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense because she wanted warmth. And then she got married and she lived in Texas and her husband lived in California. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why don't you move to California? Right. And she's like, you're right. It's the same weather. It's the same con- c- conception, the same like idea here. I get it. And I was like, yeah, it's not like I'm telling you to like move to the 
New York where it gets hella windy and stuff like that. Or like, I'm not telling you to move to Oregon where it rains half the year. I'm like, hey, move to another sunny, beachy world. But then there's these people where he's like, hey, I'm a little unhappy in California, so I'm going to move to the fucking tundra. Right. (laughs) Right. Like, if that doesn't show you anything. Like, it's just so out of left field how drastic he takes things. This man, I mean, I don't think he could have went with the insanity plea, but I don't think he's all there. No. Well, I don't know. Some people, some people don't mind snow. I I get that, but to just uproot your life when you're a computer person to a place where computers are pretty much going to be obsolete and, and try to start a business and with people that don't even have and you know what would have electric. made the computers probably not obsolete the pipeline <laughs> right <laughs> it would have brought careers and jobs so like that's why I'm saying I don't feel like he's all there because like he's super smart but he's like that serial killer smart where it's like yeah, yeah. the wrong kind of smart. Yeah, it's like really book smart, but then like that human skills are just gone. Common sense ain't there. (laughs) It's so, uh, I just don't, I don't get it. Like, I understand, I'm not going to say I understand serial killers, but like, I understand serial killers more that are like Ted Bundy because they're charismatic, they're smart, they know what they're doing and stuff. But then there's these ones like him or like Egg Kemper Mm-hmm. Or like fucking um, Richard Chase and like people like that where it's like they're so. What was the reason for this? They're so fucking socially awkward out of left field that their brains aren't doing the brain. And it's like, <laughs> come on. Right. Brain, just brain. Just brain for me here. <laughs> okay. I think I went on a big enough tangent there. Whew, sorry. Right. What were your sources? Um, I used the docuseries Alaska Ice Cold Killers. There was an episode called Frozen Terror and it's on Discovery Channel through ID. You can use uh, it costs heavily unless you already have it. I conned someone in the internet into letting me use theirs. <laughs> of and course you did. <laughs> I did. That's how I wanted to watch the Late Late Show, the last episode, because Harry Styles was on it. Uh-huh. And so I posted a Facebook status like, does anyone have Paramount Plus? I have every other thing. I will give you something if you just get, just give me your your thing. Right. And this girl's like, I've wanted to watch something on HBO for so long. She's like, do you have? I was like, bro, I'll give you HBO. I'll give you Disney. I'll give you Netflix. I'll give you whatever you want. Give me your fucking Paramount. Because <laughs> that's what I do with everything. Like, I have... My friend really, really wanted Disney, but I really wanted Hulu, but I didn't want to have to pay. So I was like, it's Carly, if you know. So I was like, Carly, I'll give you my Disney if you give me your Hulu. And she's like, okay, bet. And then like, yeah, I, I just switch off and on. Like I wanted someone's Peacock. and or- I think Netflix is like kind of honing in on that where it's going to be a lot more difficult to do that. Yeah, they've been trying. And I think they tried to pass it not that long ago. And I think it got so much internet uproar that it kind of got pushed on the back burner a little bit, but I don't know. Fizzled out. Yeah. Yeah. And then before Margie, I really wanted Peacock. And so I let someone use my, I think it was like Netflix for Peacock, but now I have Margie and Margie's Peacock. So, (laughs) but yeah, that's how I do things. I just trade people all my stuff so that I have it all. It's great. It works out. I think I might have Corey's crunchy (laughs) roll. it's okay we have your disney plus well we're on your and i think my hbo right yeah i think so. yeah i think i share that yeah see it's it just makes sense it's nice just be friends with people guys yeah 
Um, I also used two articles. I used the end of the road and um, the end of the road. It was in a University of Oregon School of Journalism and Communication paper. <laughs> um, it, it wasn't really a paper. It was like an online article, but it was from 1998. It was in their spring edition and it was by Kevin Coughlin. And then I used the article after murders rampage, a test of survival by the Washington Post. Yeah. Hmm. And that was enough that it got me all that information, honestly, that I wanted to stop after all that because everything was starting to get repetitive. And I was afraid that I was going to miss the the bigger picture here. You're going to lose so I was it. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. just going to leave it here. It's good. I'm going to I'm not going to overdo it. I think this is this teaches the lesson I'm trying to teach here. Oh, you're teaching us lessons now. Well, yeah. To be weary of your neighbors and don't trust any anyone ever. I don't do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I met my neighbor for the first time the other day. Like actually met like the because you told us the story about when you took your dog out and it was scary and then they said something over the fence and then. Yeah, that's me meeting them. That's it. Oh, OK. I haven't met anyone else. Well, I did meet the one guy. I met this guy like three houses down. Um, He goes on a walk every single day. He goes on two walks every single day. One at like. um like 7 a.m. and then he goes on one around like 7 p.m. maybe no 6 p.m. 6 30 I don't know whatever time I'm getting home from the gym he's going on one Mm -hmm. um and I know I know he goes on these little walks because his wife is still at work and he's just like bored and waiting for her to get home and the reason I know this is because I ordered some new workout shoes because mine were falling apart and uh Dita's like sends you a picture kind of like how FedEx does being like here's your backs at your door Right. I said box weird. Max. Here's Max at your door. <laughs> um, and I have a brown house with a brown door. And they sent me a picture of a red door with a blue house. Uh, nope. And I was, like, wrong. I was like, so that's wrong. So I was like, Margie, do you want to get in the car with me and drive up and down our street to find a a red house, a, a blue house with a red door? And she's like, yeah. And then we drove. And luckily, right away, we found it because that's a very odd color combo. Right. And I was like, maybe it'll still be on the porch. No, it wasn't. So I had to like knock on the front door. Of course. And I knocked and he was just like, oh, are you the girl with the package? And I was like, oh, yep, that's me. And he's like this little old man. And he's like, I was going to come bring it down to your house. I don't know how they couldn't read the numbers. That's so silly of them. He's like, but I had to wait until my wife was home because no one was home. Uh, I didn't want to just leave the home and have her not know where I went and blah, 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 blah. I only take my two walks a day. And I was just like, okay. Okay, give me my package. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and that's the only other person on my street that I've met. Eh. And the fire department down the road. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Because I have a Dalmatian, everyone. If you don't fucking know. It was not because of a fire. No, I did not burn anything. <laughs> uh, we went to PetSmart to go to our puppy classes. And there happened to be a fire truck in the parking lot that day, just randomly. And they saw us pull in and they were like, oh, can we do a photo shoot with your dog in front of our truck? And I was like, yeah, we actually live 800 feet from the fucking fire department. (laughs) He's like, really? I was like, yeah, it's like literally at the end of the road. I was like, we always joke that we're going to come by because you guys always have that sign like now taking volunteers. And he's like, you can come by anytime you want. The boys would fucking love it. Please come by. Bring your dog. <laughs> and then they made us the cover photo of the fire department. Did they really? <laughs> On the social media. That's yeah. funny. So there's my story of the month. Week, day, year. Whatever it is. <laughs> so thanks, guys, for listening. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks everyone that helps make this podcast what it is. All of you guys, all of you listeners, you guys are all part of the CSP family and we thank you guys. You guys are awesome and really you just make everything great. We recently were shouted out on my favorite podcast, which is True Crime Guys. And it was like the freaking nicest thing. I love them so much. And it was really, this is really funny. My other favorite podcast is Killer Queens podcast. Plod class. Plod class. (laughs) And they are like brother and sister podcasts. They love each other so much and they always have. And so he's like, I'm going to play my two favorite podcasts, like trailers real quick in this episode so that you guys can like find something new to listen to. And he goes to play the Killer Queens trailer. And Tyrella and Tori were like, hey, guys, welcome to Killer Queens. We were going to tell you guys about our podcast. But instead of telling you, we just figured we're going to read a listener review because what a better way to give you an example of what our podcast is about. And they read my review. No way. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this is so embarrassing. And then right afterwards is my own trailer for the podcast I am in. (laughs) And I was like, God damn it. Do they say the name? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I was like, God, okay. Fuck. Okay. (laughs) (sighs) Sure. That works. So So I'm not only obsessed, but I'm also obsessed. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. uh, Yeah. But, and it, it was just, it was really funny. I was, I was grinning from ear to ear to say the least. I'm sure. Yeah. The biggest thank you of always goes to our editor, which is Taylor, who is Lab Monkey Creative on Instagram. Every week he does our editing for us, as well as he's filling his time with doing a bunch of cool and sick artwork and a lot of animations and other crazy things. So go check out his Instagram to learn more. Check out his um, his new animation project that he's working on is called... Shoot, why can't I remember the name? Hold That's on. not the name of it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um... Pork rind. Yeah. Pork rind. So go check, go check him out. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, which is at cryptic soup pod. Our DMs are always open for suggestions. So slide on in. You can also join the Facebook group cryptic soup pod official in this group. We post further updates on our lives or the cases. So join us and hang out on the socials to stay up to date and be a part of the CSP fam. All of our links can also be easily found at cryptic as well. Any kind of Apple podcast review rating or Spotify ratings are our favorite thing ever. Ever. <laughs> ever. Ever, ever, <laughs> ever, ever. Um, they're just really nice. And we'll give you guys shout outs and we'll talk about you guys on the socials as well as on here if you guys do them. Uh, not Spotify, though, because it doesn't tell us who you are. But if you said like if you messaged us and was like, hey, uh, I did the thing. I did the thing. <laughs> Girl, boy, they, them, unicorn, whatever. We'll give you the shout out. Hell yeah, we will. Hell yeah, we will. So remember, guys, we uh, want you guys to subscribe, follow, tune in, keep up with us, and remember to join the conversation where we'll see you next Tuesday for the next episode. Stay tuned.